Dallas Cowboys have been downgraded after losing left tackle Tyron Smith until at least December with a severe hamstring injury. Yeah, and I got to be honest, I think uh, as far as I can see, it's hard to imagine that uh, my my strong guess would be uh, that's very optimistic. I mean, here's a guy that seems to get injured a a lot, we'll say, and the idea he's going to come back extra fast, I'm not sure that, that I particularly think that's likely. So I'm going to assume we're looking at the season here. Here's a little injury music. Tell me if you like this, AJ. <laughs> but you can see the, the card the coming, coming out. out. Yeah. yeah. The gurney. <laughs> okay. What does this mean? Well, we've got some numbers. McKenzie, pregame.com, research. How has Dak done specifically without left tackle Smith? All right. So without him, there's been 27 games in his career, his QBR is just is actually higher. Is that correct, AJ or um, McKenzie? Yeah, surprisingly. Okay. Now a lot of people would say, "Well, wait a minute. We're making a big deal about this. The market's adjusting. Vegas is reacting. But when Smith plays, Dak's QBR is a 62.6, and when he doesn't play, it's a 63.8. Huh." One point plus better without him. A lot of people would stop there. Mackenzie, do you would you stop there? Do you have anything else to add to this to make the case? No, you don't, do you? No, I don't. AJ? Nothing. No. Maybe you missed that day. <laughs> but here is what you need to know. Is if you look at the rushing on the left side, left tackle of the Cowboys, when Smith is there versus when he's not. It's over a yard per rush to the advantage of Dallas when Smith is there. So they're below average rushing team to the left without him, way above average with him. So can you compensate in some ways for his absence? Yeah, maybe you put the tight end over there. Maybe there's all kind of ways to take uh, to address one weak line position. But when it's strong, you not only don't have to compensate for it, you can do more than just pass, specifically with a left tackle. If he's a good run blocker, because usually teams run to the right, because defenses typically put a rush end on that right side, and we're talking about from the offense's perspective. A rush end that's really good rushing the passer, but isn't good against the rush. Right? The left end guys usually are the best guys that can do both, at least competently. Well, if you got a guy on the left that can block that edge rusher, now you block him against the pass, but then you can run there. And Dallas has been, if you think about it, a team that runs effectively with Zeke, even though he is not what he was years ago, and Pollard, who is one of the best, if not the best second running backs in the game. So what we know for sure is that Dallas is better. And if you look at the, the, the record, do, you, do we have the one loss of Dallas in these situations? I'll grab it one second. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty noteworthy. And he's, he's missed 30 games in the last five seasons, so an average of six games per season over the last five years. That's a lot of time for a guy that, that means that much. No doubt. And, and, and some of it's been big chunks, if not whole seasons. Now, as we're looking at the record with and without Smith, Amari Cooper is another player that used to was on Dallas last year that isn't on Dallas now, traded to the Browns. And they got him in 2018. And if you look at the games that they've had Cooper since they got him or didn't have Cooper, 
All right, there was 44 games with Cooper since he was traded to Dallas, and the QBR for Dak was 56. The QBR was 11 points less without Cooper on the field. Nine games, QBR 45. So 45 without Cooper, 56 with him. That was a player that meant uh, that has meant a ton to Dak. Well, he's gone. He's gone. And and have they added any receivers? Not really. I mean, they've drafted well. They've got guys that are stepping up into roles. I think to put that QBR stat into perspective, 56 last year would have put him about on on par with Kyler Murray. For 40, uh, without without him, he'd be Daniel Jones. So that, that's the drop off. Well, that is uh, depressing if you're a Cowboy <laughs> fan. Now, there's only been one game that they didn't have Cooper or left tackle Smith, and they scored nine points. Could be a coincidence. That's not a lot of points. And that was against Kansas City, and Dak had a QBR of nine. So nine points, QBR of nine. Small sample size, but that is effectively what Dallas is this year. And they didn't expect, they didn't expect to lose Smith. It's not like they compensated for it. Right? And okay, this is interesting. So without Smith, uh, pretty 15 wins, 10 losses. With Smith, 38 wins, 20 losses. So effectively about the same winning percentage. You gotta wonder. About that, because when you start getting up that many games, it means something. But what I know is, if I look at that rushing stat, I think, man, if you're giving up, if you can't run to the left, or you can, that makes such a big difference. But Dak maybe is compensated for it. We are straight out of Vegas. I think with Cooper and Smith, it's kind of hard to think losing both of them, especially with other receivers injured early in the year. I think Dallas starts really slow. Um, what's your general thought on the Cowboys? I, I'm starting to be very pessimistic on the Cowboys. I mean, you opened my eyes this last week on the podcast talking about if you really look at their roster, you go through their team and you say, why are the Cowboys considered better than the Eagles? And when you do that, it's really hard to find an answer. It's because the Cowboys roster is not better than Philadelphia's roster. I agree. There's two ways to handicap the NFL. One way is top down which almost everyone does, even professionals. And what is that? You say, well, last year told us how good the team was. Now, that I can question, to be candid. 16 games isn't enough sometimes. But let's accept that. And then they say, now, what's changed? All right, so let's look at Tampa Bay. All right, how good were they last year? Top five team. Sure. Right? Now, Brady's a year older. Do we think it's going to affect things? Maybe. Right? At some point, it will. At some point. Sure. And then, in general, how old is the team? Because if a team's older, usually that year hurts them. If a team's younger, it can help them. They mature. And no Antonio Brown, no Rob Gronkowski, no Dominican Sue, no Jason Pierre-Paul. A lot of guys gone. Yeah, so then you say, okay, we're taking these guys down. Now, has anyone been added? Lyman get hurt. And then you start making adjustments. Right, Down a half point, down a quarter point. Okay, that's a very valid approach. But what it's susceptible to is if you were wrong about how good the team was coming in. Because you only had a short sample. You had to, even a full season in the NFL is not a big sample. Think about it in baseball. Is if you take the worst team in baseball and get their best streak during 162 games and compare it to the best team and their worst streak. 
mostly, more than half the time, the worst team's best streak will be better than the best team's worst streak. So there's a 16-game, if you look at it through chunks of 16 games, there's going to be a 16-game stretch that the worst baseball team looks better than the best baseball team looks during a bad stretch. Now, does it mean that every if you only play 16 games, it's always going to be those extremes? No. But it means those extremes are possible. They're possible. And every year, there's teams that people think, and I think Kansas, or not Kansas City, I think the Chargers, the LA Chargers were a good example of this. You strongly believe that last year's Chargers were, what, a top eight team in the yes. league? I mean, Herbs is your boy. Yeah. And they didn't make the playoffs. And I strongly believe that the Arizona Cardinals were not as good as everyone thought they were, and, and they started out the season 10-2. and two. So, you're right. It's imagine one team's best season, streak and one team's worst. Imagine if the NFL season were 12 games, which really, it was 1977, it was 12 games. It wasn't that long ago the league was 12 games, and it went, well, no, let me think about this. It went from 14 to 16 in 78, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'm not, I think 12... Yeah, it went from 14 to 16. But let's just say this, 12 versus 16 is not that different. But the, but the Cardinals would have been looked at vastly different. No doubt. Vastly different. And also what we have happen is the end of the year often has an overweighted significance in how good you think a team is. Look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati could have easily lost to the Raiders in the first round of the playoffs. They could have easily lost that game. And if they did, how differently would we be looking at Cincinnati this year? Vastly. One game, right? Now, the fact they won that game, then they won another, and then they won another. I mean, like, give them credit for that. And then they almost won the Super Bowl. They rightfully have been upgraded because of that. But I think the truth actually is closer to Cincinnati being better than we think, or better than we would have thought if they had lost. But they could have lost, and it would have been extremely deceiving how Cincinnati was just a barely a playoff team. Yeah, that's a great point. So, in general, if you go from the bottom up, which I'm aspiring to do, I'm not there yet. But it, to me, it's the next step I need to make as an NFL handicapper is to say, you can put any group of players together, give me two days, and I'm going to tell you how good this team would be. Because if you think about it, that's what you're supposed to be able to do. A coach can do. They can say, okay, how's our line look? Look at your players. Let's grade it A to F or however you want to grade it. And then how good's the receivers? How good's the quarter? Now it gets interesting. How, what's the interplay going to be? That is way advanced. Where you can say this line is really good, but this line might struggle if they run this scheme. Or this line, I'll give you an example. Two years ago, the Browns. Uh, three years ago, we'll call it, Baker's second year. The Browns had a decent O-line, but it was weak in the middle. Well, when you have a short quarterback and Baker is relatively short, is pressure up the middle is the worst kind of pressure. It's the worst for any quarterback, but it's even worse if you're short because how do you – you got to throw quick, you got to right. throw over the middle, you can't see. Right. So if you remember, Baker was rolling out like crazy. He would always like whenever he felt pressure, he would duck bail and roll. Right. And he was 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage when he didn't need to be oftentimes. So you could say that Brown's O-line was decent, but it was weak in a way that particularly was bad for the Browns and Baker Mayfield. That's the next level. Once you can figure out how great the groups are or how good they are or not good. Then you can decide how they play with each other. The guys that can do that, 
think about if you looked at Philadelphia and you look at Dallas. The whole offseason, the question has been, man, does Philly have a chance? Philly got a chance to win that division? What kind of odds would you have to get to take Philly to win that division? And then it became more like, you know, these teams are kind of close. Dallas is clearly favored. And then about a week ago, I told you guys, I don't know if you were here, AJ, I told them, I said that Baker, or, or specifically Philadelphia, I started hearing people say Philly better than Dallas. And it was the first time I had heard that. And then I heard them say, I think they're favored to win the division. And I said, this is like a timber moment where if you cut a tree, right, you hear the chainsaw, and then once it starts falling, it might only move an inch or two, but you know it's falling. Because once it starts falling, and my thought was that Philly was going to be the clear favorite to win this division within two weeks because people started even imagining they were better than Dallas. This Smith injury is going to add to that, but my prediction is Philly will be favored to win the East before the kickoff in a couple weeks. Right now, Cowboys plus 140, Eagles plus 155. And when you go back and look at where they opened, that is a massive, massive swing. 